Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Pretty good Monday, too. It's a beautiful day here in Starkville. I don't know where it is, where you guys are, or how it is. It's beautiful here in Starkville. A little chilly, a little chilly but the sun is shining. Very few clouds in the sky. We're doing great. Spent some time uh, this morning out at the Mississippi State Baseball Camp. Had a chance to watch some prospects out there. It's, uh, it's a cool thing, man. It really is. Never ends. Never ends. And you guys know it. About a month away. Month away from Long Beach State coming in here playing a little baseball with the Diamond Dogs, the defending national champions. That never gets tired of, of uh, being sold, being said. Excuse me. Goodness. I got hung up between said and told there. Turned out to be sold, right? But uh, the bottom line is we are the defending NAFL champions. We're excited about that. And I had a chance to walk around Duty Noble a little bit today. As you guys know, Chris Lamonis tweeted out, there is now a video ribbon board all the way around the grandstand. That's pretty cool. They've lowered the fence and uh, out in the right field area. So a little better sight lines out there. The old ballpark's looking great. And I love it, too. It's like one of the things that, you know, for years and years and years, and I don't say this to be critical of anybody, it'll come across that way, and that's okay. There were times at Mississippi State we kind of rested on our laurels a little bit. It's like, hey, this is cool. So we just kind of let it sit there until it kind of became uncool. And we just built this brand-new, you know, diamond of a baseball stadium, and we could have easily just said, hey, that's enough. But no, we're, we're still moving forward still getting some things done, improving the amenities, improving the fan experience at Dirty Noble Field. So that's encouraging to me. You know, we talk about, you know, the Humphrey Coliseum renovations. A lot of the under-the-ground infrastructure type work, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's a good day. It's a good day to talk about sports. It's a good day to talk about Mississippi State sports. So, so here we are. That's what we intend to do a little bit later than I wanted to be, but, uh, you know, living life on life's terms like everybody else. You know how it works. So let's, uh, let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show, and a great, great, great part of your local community, for sure. Great dining options with part of a great family of restaurants who served the Golden Triangle for many, many years. Bulldog Burger Company has three great locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and of course the brand new in Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure and go and check them out. Getting uh, a lot of tweets, a lot of messages from people that say, hey, I had the spring rolls and you know what? I was better looking. It's science. I had somebody message me the other day and say, hey, I'm holding you to this. And next thing you know, He's like, hey, I get in the car, look in the rearview mirror, bam, bam, better looking. Part of the deal, man, that's what we've learned. If we learned anything the last two years, it's trust to science. It is science. 
Spring rolls make you better looking. Have that great restaurant quality hamburger, one of the great delicacies in life. Bulldog Burger Company doing it better than anybody. Be sure and go check them out, location near you. Get that chocolate shake to go. You'll be glad you did. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Went and covered some Mississippi State men's hoops on uh, Saturday. Bulldogs pick up a huge win. We talked about it on Friday. I felt like State could win the game. Alabama not playing exceptionally well and not the Alabama team we've seen as of late. Perimeter shooting was very much a factor down the stretch. Bulldogs do just enough to hang on. A lot of people said, hey, Steve, that's probably our first uh, win over ranked opponent in a long time. Well, actually, no. January 5th of last year, we take down at number 13, Missouri, at our place. That was a big win, too, and kind of an emphatic win. Bulldogs win by 15. That's your last rank wins. You don't have to go back too terribly far to find a victory over a ranked opponent. Uh, ben Howland has had some opportunities. Not a lot of marquee wins in the Ben Howland era here at Mississippi State. I would submit to you the win over Alabama, one of the better wins of the Ben Howland era, I, don't, I think without question. And uh, the, the bottom line is in this conference, we're going to have an opportunity to pick up some quad one wins. That was a big one there, to say the least. A really nice one. And, uh, you know, that's, we've had so many opportunities in the past and just hadn't been able to get it done. I guess back in 18-19, um, you know, we played number eight Kentucky, lost. We beat number 16 Auburn, 92-84 in Humphrey Coliseum. We lose to 21 LSU, lose to number five Kentucky. That was a 71-67 game. And then – Number five, Tennessee gets us uh, late in the year. And then we close out the SEC tournament with a loss to number eight, Tennessee, an 83-76 uh, ball game. A game that Mississippi State was very game and, and uh, ready to go. If I remember correctly, that's the game where Nick Witherspoon uh, got hurt. So here we are, though, a big win. Let's kind of break it down, too. And I want to say this, too. There were a lot of people in Humphrey Coliseum. The paid attendance was 8,090. Now, there wasn't that many people in attendance. But those that were there were very involved in the ball game. Now, the students are back. You know, I'm a big proponent of our students. I thought the students did a good job, especially late. Early on, it was kind of like we weren't sure, you know, how we were going to respond. We did a really good job. When the team needed us most, I thought Humphrey Coliseum really came alive. And I saw a lot of tweets about it, too saying, you know, it really got loud at Humphrey Coliseum, and it did. There's no question about it. It it was a very nice ball game and a very nice atmosphere for a ball game. So tip of the cap to the Bulldog fans who were in attendance, and uh, your presence was certainly felt down the stretch. So let's dig into it here a little bit. Really liked the effort we played with. Never, ever, ever felt like Alabama was going to run away with it. They nearly stole it late. But the reality of it is Bulldogs came out ready to go. And it just kind of felt like we had some confidence uh, in the early going. I mean, it just really felt like that the Bulldogs were there to play. Tolu Smith makes his return. And as our Paul Jones reported all week, you can't expect him to come back and be, you know, 100%. He hadn't been with the team, you know, for the better part of a week. And so can't use facilities, that sort of stuff. Uh, so, you know, to expect him to come back and be his normal self the first game back, probably asking a little bit much. But um, 
Mississippi State very, very much in this ball game in the early going. I guess we got down by as many as five. I think that was Alabama's biggest lead uh, in the first half. I think 11 to five is it. Then State kind of takes over, you know, for a stretch there. And State seemed to be the aggressor in this ball game. That hadn't always been the case. And there'd been a lot of time we've kind of let the game kind of come to us. That really wasn't the case against Alabama. I thought State played with an intensity that we haven't always seen. And we've talked in, in the early going this, this year about, hey, when does this team begin to kind of come together? When do they gel? You know, Rocket Watts uh, has been out some. Tolu Smith, of course, has been out a considerable amount of time, I guess 10 games now. But Mississippi State kind of finding out what they're good at. Anderson Garcia, of course, giving State some good minutes off the bench. Had an emphatic dunk. They got the students on their feet and really an aggressive, aggressive move to the basket. That's one of the things, even when Robert Woodard and uh, Reggie Perry were here, there were times we were a little bit reluctant to go hard at the rim. I think this team has the ability to do that, whether it be DJ Jeffries or Tolu Smith, uh, Garrison Brooks, even Javian Davis at times. We have the ability to go up and finish at the rim. And Anderson Garcia really, really, really made some cool things happen and uh, really liked the energy he brings off the bench. Just under 19 minutes to go, Alabama retakes a five-point lead. And it seemed like, okay, Alabama's going to make a run. Bulldogs match the run, come right back. And again, just stay in striking distance. Next thing you know, it's 51-all, just under 14 minutes to play. And then State. You know, kind of put some things together. I guess we got down a couple times, but um, 60-55, I think, was the last big lead for Alabama with 10-17 to go. A couple minutes later, they're trying to nurse that lead along, and then with eight minutes to play, it's a 61-all ball game. Back and forth, back and forth. State takes the lead with seven minutes to go at 64-63. You look up a little bit later, and, uh, you know, State is matching everything that Alabama's throwing at them and go up 71-66 with 317 to play. Shaquille Moore had knocked down a couple free throws. Really liked his game. A lot of people talked about transfer portal. What are we getting? A lot of focus on Garrison Brooks. Uh, Shaquille Moore, kind of an unsung hero of this team, and I really thought down the stretch, Alabama was determined to deny the basketball to Iris Molinar and make somebody else beat them. And then Shaquille Moore steps up and was really, really, really big. Nine for nine from the free throw line. Those two free throws give State a little breathing room. We get by, up by as many as seven, uh, excuse me, eight, after another pair of Shaquille Moore free throws. So it's a 75-67 game with 134 to go when you think, okay, this thing is over. But Alabama would not go quietly. Darius Miles knocks down a big three to cut the lead to five. Shaquille turns it over on a on a travel call. And then it's Keon Ellis ramming home a three with under a minute to play. It's a two-point game, and you know Alabama's going to get it back. So State's got to get a basket somewhere to make this a two-possession game. And who is it? It's Shaquille Moore again, knocking down a couple free throws. Made it 77-63 with 14 seconds to go. They miss a three, and then we get a foul over there in the corner, and uh, they knock all three free throws down, 77-76 with three seconds to go. And then some craziness kind of happened here. They're determined to foul. The ball is inbounded to Iverson Molinar, who was fouled. 
However, they called an off-the-ball foul on J.D. Davison against Anderson Garcia. Uh, Nate Oates was very emphatic in his protest about who the shooter should be. He wins the debate. They send Anderson Garcia to the line. He makes one of two. And then Alabama has a shot late. They bring it down, and Keon Ellis, kind of a a hurried three there, uh, just left of the key. And the thing is long and kind of grazes off the rim. But a pretty good look there for a final shot. Just couldn't knock it down. And I can only begin to imagine how that would have felt had that ball found nylon. But State wins the game 78-76. And these are the games, too, that get people on the Mississippi State and Ben Howland bandwagon. How many times in the past have we had an opportunity like this and not been able to cash in? Well, we do. We made this one happen. And again, I can't say enough good things about how this team really played and showed some real toughness, uh, you know, down the stretch. We had every opportunity to lose this ball game, but Shaquille Moore comes through, Anderson Garcia, some other guys kind of contributing. But down the stretch, it boiled down to free throw shooting. And there was a time that Alabama had made 19 of 21 from the line. You know, if we were going to – I was talking to uh, Tanner um, – I can't Tanner from the Reflector, and we were talking a little bit about that. And we were, we were kind of struggling at the line early in the ballgame. Alabama was converting their, their free throw opportunities, and you kind of felt like, hey, if we're going to try to win this thing at the free throw line, we're going to have to do a better job. <laughs> My apologies. We had a little bit of a, uh, a disturbance there. But the uh, reality of it is, is this Bulldog team showed some real toughness down the stretch. And, you know, it's the biggest crowd of the year, and you step up against a ranked opponent. And you got to knock down some big free throws. Shaquille Moore did that. Can't say enough about his play. And, of course, Iverson Molinar, your SEC player of the week, two huge games. What do you have, 28 against Georgia, 24 against Alabama? Pretty impressive. The kid, is he's made this his team. There's no doubt about it. This is Iverson Molinar's team. Uh, 24 points on 8 of 17 from the floor. Knocked down 1-3, 7 of 8 from the line. Pulled down six rebounds, just a two personal fouls, four assists, three turnovers, and a pair of steals. Garrison Brooks, one of his better games in the uniform. Ben Howland said it was his best game as a Bulldog. 33 minutes of action, uh, 50% from the floor, 6-12 shooting. Uh, 0 of 3 from the three-point line, and we have kind of fallen in love with letting him shoot from the top of the key. Need to make a few more of the goes, but he did pull down 10 boards, five of those on the offensive end. 16 points to go along with just two personal fouls. So he played a lot of minutes without fouling. Very, very big ball game for him. And, of course, we mentioned Shaquille Moore. As I mentioned in my article, how many times do you have a guy that's 3 of 10 from the floor be the hero in the ball game? And that was really the case down the stretch. 0 of 4 from 3, but 9 of 9 from the free throw line. Pulled down five rebounds, had an assist, a turnover, and threw in 15 points. Those are your three double-digit scorers from Mississippi State. Uh, Tolu Smith. Did show uh, some signs of fatigue. I did think that he played pretty well uh, at times, but uh, it kind of reached and grabbed a little bit. And there were a couple fouls that were a little bit silly. I thought his last foul was pretty ticky-tack for a fifth foul. There was contact. However, there was just as much, if not more, contact on the other end that wasn't whistled. And I thought this game was officiated really well in the first half. And it kind of, uh, you know, I don't know if I would say that it kind of fell apart, but I did think the crew probably got a little bit whistle-happy at times. And I think you know, Tolu, is a, Tolu is a guy that was uh, 
you know, a little bit fatigued and kind of reaching and grabbing a bit, was probably the victim of some of that. Just six points for him, and he did foul out with five fouls. He will be better. It's just about kind of getting him conditioned and getting back up. Uh, DJ Jeffries, we, we keep talking about we're waiting for that kind of breakout game from him. Didn't get it against Alabama, but he did have some big minutes for us. Uh, 24 minutes, two of six on the floor, knocked down a big three. Uh, at that time, I think it was State's first three of the ball game. They originally called it a two, went back and reviewed it and added the third point, pulled down a couple of boards and uh, took a couple of turnovers as well, five points for him. We talked about Anderson Garcia. I thought he gave great energy. The stat line really shows that, 24 minutes of action, two of four from the floor, four of eight from the free throw line, and that's that's why he was the – you know, the foul shooter of choice late. That was a, a strategic move by Nate Oates in Alabama is let's foul Garcia. They did, and, he, of course, he's 50%. Pulled down seven rebounds, uh, had a couple of steals, two and eight points. That's a stat line that I think all of us can be pretty excited about, but he got to get a little better at the free throw line. Cam Matthews, state's best on-the-ball defender, possibly. I think we could all agree with that. This is a guy, too – that really gives us life, whether he's in the starting lineup, whether he's coming off the bench. How many times do you see him up there at the top of the key uh, defending the ball handler, kind of forcing the action up there? Cam Matthews, again, didn't fill up the uh, the basket, but was really involved in a lot of other things. Got plays with a tremendous amount of energy. 23 minutes, one of two from the floor, two of four from the free throw line, pulled down five rebounds, did get in a little bit of foul trouble, and uh, had a steal and a big assist late, too, where the defense kind of collapsed to him. And I believe it was Garrison Brooks he found underneath uh, for an easy basket. So just four points. But there are a lot of things that Cameron Matthews does that doesn't show up in the stat line. Rocket Watch, just eight minutes of action. Kind of had a little bit of a, you know, kind of an awkward landing, I guess you would say. I'm eager to see what Ben Howland has to say about his availability as we get ready to go to, uh, to Gainesville. O of two from the uh, floor. Both of those three-point attempts. I really thought the second one was going in. It looks it looked good off his hands. He shot it in rhythm just a little bit long there. Uh, JV and Davis comes in and uh, plays just five minutes. Does not record a basket, but uh, really thought he came in there and defended pretty well. So, big win for Mississippi State. 24-59 from the floor, which is 40.7%. We were 2 of 16 from the three-point line. It's incredible to think that you can be that anemic from the perimeter and still score nearly 80 points. Once we get that aspect of the game going, I think you've got an opportunity to see a much better offensive team because we're not a team that's going to get out and run a whole lot. 28 of 38 from the free throw line. And, of course, you know over half of those misses come from players off the bench. Your starters actually did a pretty solid job at the line. I mentioned earlier, you know, a 6 of 12, you know, from Cameron Matthews and Anderson Garcia combined. So – uh, of the 10 misses, six of them come from the bench. But that's the thing. When you're in the ball game, you got to understand probably going to draw some fouls to, uh, to put guys up at the line that maybe aren't as fresh. So 73.7% from the line. And, again, this was a great basketball game. If you like college basketball, and most of you do, you probably enjoyed this one. State with 34 points in the paint, 22 points off turnovers, 21 second-chance points, which goes to show you what a good job we did on the offensive glass. 14 fast-break points, uh, 12 bench points, and I would say probably the two most memorable fast-break points. Shaquille Moore jumps out there, gets a steal, and just absolutely roast Miles at the rim. Miles basically had to kind of look out below 
uh, look on his face, kind of cleared on out of there. I, I joked on Twitter that he that uh, Shaquille just put Miles on the cover of a future Mississippi State game program. It was one of those one of those emphatic dunks that really gives everybody some juice, kind of a statement play. But again, 19 lead changes, and the game was tied 15 times. These are the kind of games you have to win. Now, here's the thing. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. How about that, too? I've said this before many times on the show, and it's usually been after a losing result. Coaching generally wins and loses close ball games down the stretch. And so if we're going to saddle Ben Howland with a close loss, we got to give him credit for a close win. And, again, Shaquille Moore got to step up there, and that's practice and preparation, right? Shaquille Moore comes through. And Iverson Molinar mentioned, you know, hey, I'm always telling guys, hey, you're going to make it, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. And late in ball games, that matters. You know, it's about instilling confidence in the team. Uh, quick look at Alabama's numbers. Uh, Jaden Shackelford, 17 points. Keon Ellis, 14. 
Charles Bedieko, 11 points. And then 14 from Darius Miles, who uh, came in off the bench and really efficient, just 19 minutes of action. Uh, four of seven from the floor, four of four from the line, pulled down six rebounds. Really, really good effort from him. Uh, Noah Gurley did foul out for them, which allowed the Humphrey Coliseum to do the left-right, left-right thing. And uh, Noah Gurley didn't really appreciate it and had a little bit of a one-finger salute. Just two points on the night for him. Uh, more fouls than points and um, even more fouls than shot attempts. So just 13 minutes of action from him. And, again, I think a lot of that's got to do with the fact that, you know, State just proved to be a little more athletic uh, in the post. But, again, great win for Mississippi State. Now the Bulldogs 12-4 and overall, 3-1 and in the league. Alabama drops to 11-6 and and 2-3 and in the SEC. So, again, you begin to kind of get some separation. We talked about starting 2-1, and one, and then we talked about, hey, if you can beat Alabama, you've got a chance to go on a run. Let's take a quick look at what is to come this week in Mississippi State football and basketball. Wednesday, and we'll talk about the Florida Gators a little more on Wednesday, we'll be at Florida. That's a 5.30 tip local time, 5.30 tip in Starkville. So 6.30 there in Gainesville. If you're looking to attend the game, I would encourage you to do so. And then Saturday, SEC Network game, Ole Miss comes to Humphrey Coliseum. Uh, The Rebels choke away a huge lead against Auburn. Auburn comes back, and Auburn's a very, very, very good team. And, that, and listen, Kermit had those guys up to play. He'll have them up to play here, too. Kermit Davis, a great motivator. So that's the week, and you begin to think, hey, if State can go and have a chance to sweep the week this week, and they certainly can, you take care of Florida, who has kind of been up and down. You take care of Ole Miss. It's kind of been up and down. Now, all of a sudden, you look up at the standings, and you're 5-1 and one in the SEC and 14-4 and four overall. And here, let me encourage you this. If you're on the fence about coming to see Mississippi State play at home this Saturday against Ole Miss, number one, it is a tip that in more times than not will enable you to get here, watch the ball game, and get home at a decent hour. So let's not let that stand in the way. Also, two, that's a game that Mississippi State's going to absolutely have to have. And I think the Humphrey Coliseum could really be the difference in the ball game, not just from – you know, a home court standpoint is a familiarity situation uh, for the Bulldogs. But also, too, you know, you guys, when you're on your feet and you're involved in a ball game, make it awfully difficult to play in Humphrey Coliseum. I go back to, you know, the, the years when the Humphrey Coliseum really rocked. There were so many teams. I remember Florida Gators, uh, Billy Donovan's team that uh, won the NFL championship, I guess. They said the most difficult place they played in was the Humphrey Coliseum because the fans are right on top of you and it's always so loud. And so if that's a testimonial from a great team that did some great things, there's probably some truth to it. You know, they got no, no advantage to lying. They've got no reason to say, hey, let's talk up Mississippi State because we like those guys a lot. This wasn't the case. And so, again, I think the team is kind of coming together at the right time, and there's an important part of the schedule right now where State could kind of get fat. You, know, you got a chance to kind of you, you got to begin to separate yourself from some of these middle of pack teams because you know we got a chance to have some quad one wins, but at the same time too we can't drop games like we did to Ole Miss. You, you just can't. And listen, I know it's a rivalry game, I know it's a road game in the SEC, and every one of those is difficult. But the reality of it is, is we have got to kind of beat up on the middle of the pack. Looking at the SEC standings right now, Mississippi State. Uh, 3-1, and one, as we mentioned. Auburn undefeated 5-0 and oh in the league, 16-1 overall. A&M 
4-0 in the, in the conference. And that might be a bit of a surprise. They've won eight in a row. How about that? Kentucky 4-1, 14-3 overall. They're undefeated at Rupp. Not a big surprise there, 12-0. Uh, your Bulldogs 3-1, LSU 3-2, 15-2 overall. Vanderbilt 2-2 in conference, 10-6 overall. And this is where when State plays the teams beneath them in the standings, you got to find a way to make this work. And again, there's a lot of parity in the league, so there's going to be some up and down. Uh, Arkansas 2-3 and and 12-5 and overall. A lot of people expect Arkansas to, to be a very difficult out down the stretch, which would make that win over Arkansas in the, the opening game of the SEC slate for Mississippi State mean even more. That would count a lot more uh, in the net. And then, of course, Tennessee – they're also at two and three. Alabama two and three. Florida one and three and ten and six overall. South Carolina one and three. Uh, the bloom really off the rose there for Frank Martin and Columbia, South Carolina, just ten and six overall. Uh, they lost two in a row. Ole Miss one and three, nine and seven overall. And every time you turn around, there's a lot of fire Kermit uh, tweets out there. And listen, Auburn is an elite team. A lot of discussion, you know, about Auburn maybe the best team in America. And you know, Ole Miss had them at home and had a, had a lead and, and couldn't finish. But that's what great teams do. They overcome adversity. Missouri, 1-3, 7-9 overall. Georgia, 0-4, and 5-12. And, and, and so, if you're Mississippi State and you're really serious about making the tournament, you got to hold serve. And that's what this week's about. You go play a very vulnerable Florida team, which is 6-3 at home, and then you host an Ole Miss team that is 0-2 uh, on the road and 1-3 on neutral floor. So they are 1-5 away from the pavilion. That should be a chance for State, uh, again, to kind of find a way to get a little separation and, again, kind of curry some favor. And let, I, I say it every time we, we talk positively about Miss, Mississippi State men's basketball. You know, I've been, I've been difficult at times when it's come to Ben Howen and this team. And, and here's the deal. You know, I don't mind being wrong. I would love to be wrong because I love Mississippi State men's basketball, and there have been so many times we have kind of drifted into apathy. Well, the fact that I have kind of been the uh, the lead cheerleader in that in some respects, my hope is you'll put some faith in what I'm saying now. I think this team has a chance to make the NCAA tournament. And again, you know, the bracketology stuff will take care of itself. But what has to happen now, now that people are kind of like, hey, well, maybe this is going to be okay. Because a lot of us were expecting that Alabama game to really be a challenge and that maybe we would lose the ball game. Well, now we've won the ball game. It's very much a toss-up game against a team that has really had our number. I guess we had lost, what, four or five to those guys. I know we lost all three games last year. Uh, Four or five, maybe uh, five of seven against Alabama. And so now here we are. We've kind of gotten over that, that test. And, and so now it's time. I think it's okay to have a little enthusiasm about Mississippi State men's basketball. You go down and win in Gainesville, I think that ticket uh, next weekend is going to be worth your money to see Mississippi State and Ole Miss play. And, again, you guys know what that game means to us. It meant a lot to them when, they, when we went up there and they beat us. And you know what? Hey, you got us. You know, we didn't play exceptionally well at times. There was They got a little separation from us. And, you know, it's very frustrating. And my hope is when the 1-3-1 comes, maybe you guys will be here to, uh, to help. To help. So, again, a big week ahead for Mississippi State men's basketball. And that's the thing. You make it a big week. Kind of the Dan Mullen School of Theology there, right? Dance, it's a big game because we've made it a big game. You win two last week. You're expected to beat Georgia. You hope to beat Alabama. You win them both. Well, now all of a sudden – 
these weeks' games become even bigger. You don't think Florida's thinking, hey, this is a team that's coming in here with a little juice. This Mississippi State team is coming in here with a little confidence. As well, we should. And you go back and you begin to think, okay, well, you know, hey, Mississippi State closed out the non-conference with three straight wins, and then you beat Arkansas. So you've won four in a row. You dropped to Ole Miss. Then you win the last two. So you've won six of seven headed down to Florida. And we've had some success down there too, as crazy as that sounds. And so you got a chance to go down there and get a big victory. And, again, that would just make this weekend's game against Ole Miss that much bigger. So, again, if you were considering coming, let me encourage you, not just on behalf of the Mississippi State fan base, but on behalf of the Mississippi State men's basketball team. They need you here. They responded well to our crowd. you got a chance to have a huge crowd, huge crowd this Saturday. And I think you're going to want to be a part of that because if this, this Bulldog team – reaches its full potential, I think we could have a really good season. And and listen, everybody knows there's a lot of pressure on Ben Howen. I don't think he reflects that. I mean, you know, watching the press conferences and things like that, I, I don't I don't think he feels any of that. But I think we all kind of understand this is where things stand. We needed to have a big year. We've got the potential to have one. And, again, it's a game-by-game type situation. We'll see how things develop. But beating Alabama was huge, huge. And not just because they were a ranked team – because this is a team that has consistently presented you know, mismatches that were disadvantage, or advantageous to them and a disadvantage for us. And so we overcome that. And granted, as I mentioned, that they're not the prolific three-point shooting team they have been. The bottom line, though, is we've won a ball game against a team that many people considered a top-10 team early in the year, fresh off beating Gonzaga and beating Houston. I think they rose as high as number eight in the polls. So this is a team that's a – a very game and competitive team. And you saw down the stretch, they wouldn't go away. Give those guys a lot of credit. And I I really thought that uh, it was one of the better games that I have seen at Humphrey Coliseum in recent years from both teams. And and usually we play a good game and it's the us. We're the team on the losing end, right? But, But not this time. We found a way to get a big dub. And now it's time to build upon that. And so, again, let me encourage you. Come to see the ball game on Saturday. Mississippi State's going to need you to be there. All right, time for today's top ten list. Brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair. CloseWithBlair.com. Blair Chandler, longtime friend of mine, wants to be a friend of yours. And he's willing to kind of sweeten the deal a little bit, too. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your friend in the mortgage industry. A lot of people out there want your business. Blair said, you know what, if you listen to the Boneyard, because Blair listens to the Boneyard, if you mention to him that you're a Boneyarder, he's going to give you your appraisal for free. How about that? That's about a five dollars to $600 value. A lot of demand right now in the lending industry. A lot of appraisers are busy. Prices have gone up. A lot of fees associated with getting a mortgage. Blair can help you. And many of you have reached out and said, hey, Steve, what's the information? Let me give it to you now. And maybe you come back later and listen to this, or perhaps that you are a guy that, or a gal that uh, maybe you just say, hey, let me just hit Steve up on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever, and I can get that information. You absolutely can. You're not bothering me because I want to connect you with Blair because I know Blair's going to do a great job for you. 21 years in the industry, number one, number one in what he does, top 1% close ratio in the country. And he works with Fairway Mortgage, recently named number one customer experiences by mortgage borrowers. How cool is that? 
So you've got a, a great guy doing a great job for a great company. Give him a call or text today at his personal cell number, 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. And be sure to mention, you heard about it on the Boneyard to get your appraisal taken care of. All right, so I told you guys we did the Madonna list. Did pretty good. Uh, got a, let me see, Wednesday, we've got a pretty modern-day uh, rap artist that uh, appeals across a pretty wide cross-section of the population. We're going to do that Wednesday. Today, we reached out to Elsa. Uh, Elsa is Roy Samante's daughter. And so when we do kind of these teeny bopper artists, I depend on Elsa. Now, you might have guessed by now, we're doing Taylor Swift. What? Yes, we're doing Taylor Swift. So I'm not going to take credit or criticism for this list. Elsa's first swipe at the list was 22 songs. It's like, no, we got to get it down to 10. Oh, can't we do top 15? No, we can only do top 10. I can tell you that there are a lot of young ladies out there that are huge T-Swift fans, huge, uh, including my girls, both who are students there at Mississippi State. So this is Elsa Samante's top 10 list. And Elsa, we appreciate your contributions to the show. So number 10, the story of us. The story of us. Now, you and I don't have a story together other than our boneyard and Mississippi State experiences. So our story has had some twists and turns. And I suspect that this is another Taylor Swift song about an ex-boyfriend. So if you've ever dated Taylor Swift, chances are you're going to be the inspiration for a song, unless you were unremarkable. You know. uh, number nine, mine. Mine is number nine. And again, if I remember correctly, this is the one about, I remember when, when you were mine. Uh, I don't listen to a lot of T-Swift. But number nine on the list, mine. Eight, better than revenge. Better than revenge. I, there's not a lot out there that's better than revenge, honestly. You know, like the old expression, you know, you know, you know, living well is the best revenge. I've always felt that's to be the case. Difficult for me to do that, though. I'm always the kind of person that's like, you know, I want to want to fight back. And sometimes it's better just to ignore people and go live your life. But better than revenge, number eight on Elsa Samante's top ten list. Number seven, this applies to me and many of you. We all have a Peter Pan complex. Never grow up. I'm cool with that. Never grow up. Number seven on your list. Number six, back to December. I don't know if I want to go back to December, to be honest with you. I'm kind of looking forward to college baseball season. Back to December. And maybe we get a second chance at playing the Liberty Bowl, though. How about that? Hmm. Maybe, maybe that's what we should do. Number five, stay, stay, stay. Number five on your list, stay, stay, stay. Be sure and check that out. Number four is ours, another relationship song. Listen to this. I won't say recently, but I've heard this before. Uh, number three, and this is interesting. So my daughter, Audrey, and I'm going to telephone her a little bit here. Uh, number one, Audrey can sing, and uh, she is a member of the State Singers and has performed at a lot of great functions in, con in conjunction with her you know, student enrollment at Mississippi State. She will graduate this spring. She is very melancholy about leaving Mississippi State. She's had a great experience. And I'll be honest with you, when we first moved up here, you know, leaving Baton Rouge, she was like, I'm going to go to LSU. Well, you know, 
no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to pay all that incredible out-of-state tuition just to go down there. But she wanted to be a golden girl. But uh, after she got up here, she said, you know, hey, listen, I don't know that I want to stay home and go to college. And so we went to Southern Miss. I'm going to give you a quick story here about that. We went to Southern Miss, and it seemed like that was going to be it. And that was a good compromise. You know, my mom is 30 minutes down the road. I've got a lot of great friends that live there in Hattiesburg that could look after her. And uh, one of my good friends uh, owns a few businesses down there, and he's like, hey, she can work as much as she wants to. And his lovely wife is like, hey, she can always come here, and she can study, she can do laundry, whatever she wants to do. She needs a break. And so I was like, hey, that works. You know, she can go to Southern Miss. It's a good compromise. And then one day she comes home from Pine Lake and she's like, you know, I need to talk to you. And she goes, I just think God wants me at Mississippi State. And she got all emotional about it and everything else. And, and uh, I said, you know, how do you argue with that? You know, she, and then now that she's been here, she can't even begin to imagine the thought of going somewhere else. But she went through the recruiting process like everybody else. And let me share with you this. We went and visited the University of Alabama. And listen, I'm sure Nick Saban and those guys do a great job on the football side. We were not the least bit impressed with the, the visit on the academic side. None whatsoever. None. Mississippi State hit it out of the ballpark. Southern Miss was better than Alabama as far as – like we went to Southern Miss and went to the Honors College. We went for the tour. And we walk into the lobby, and like everybody is in the lobby, and like people clapped when we came in. It was just me and her. And so Southern Miss really wanted her to go. And so, you know, it was kind of a legacy-type deal in many respects. They really wanted her. We go to Alabama, and it was like they could not have been bothered. I mean, it was just like, let me just get you through this tour. And then they give you this, uh, this gift card to go buy something from the Alabama gift shop. And so my daughter, Audrey, used her gift card from the University of Alabama and bought a maroon dress there from Alabama. So, Alabama, thank you. Thank you for the game day dress. But – I have belabored that point, but let me tell you how this, this you belong with me thing kind of goes down. So when Audrey was just a little kid and she was singing and she had aspirations to be a singer and she really loved Taylor Swift and still does, she used to do these singing competitions like on YouTube. So like she would say, hey, I got my YouTube channel and she would sing and then she would do a contest and there was nothing that she would win other than just the pride of going and uh, being a part of it. And there was this guy that uh, had this really nasally voice, and he was kind of, uh, I hate to say it this way, but he was a little nerdy looking, and uh, he sang Taylor Swift's You Belong With Me. And I don't remember how many people were in the contest, but, like, he messaged her because she did, like, the video and said, you know, where everybody ranked or whatever, and I think the guy was, like, 10th in the contest. And he goes, oh, that's exciting how many people were there. There were 10. There were 10, <laughs> there were 10 people in the singing contest, and you won tenth, uh, but it was just kind of. I remember what, we watched that video a few times, and you know, I know it's so difficult to perform, period, and then to put it on YouTube and give it to complete strangers. There's a lot of confidence that goes along with that, so I respect the confidence and the hustle. But that rendition of "You Belong with Me" was not very good. But that's your number three song, "You Belong with Me," and you got you, you didn't know you were going to get that that extra stuff there. And she belonged at Mississippi State and uh, absolutely loves it here. And uh, thought about going to grad school just so she could uh, stay here a little bit longer. And, and uh, But anyway, I'm so glad that both of my girls have gone to Mississippi State. Uh, number two, and Elsa says we're going to go with the 10-minute version, which is incredible to me that there's a pop song with a 10-minute version. I mean, I, I understand, like, you know, Dream Theater 
Kansas, even some Rolling Stone stuff, really long. But uh, All Too Well by Taylor Swift, number two, the 10-minute version. So if you're listening to this list on Spotify, you're getting the 10-minute version. But number one, and I would agree, this is probably the best Taylor Swift song. Not that I've listened to a whole lot of them. But again, I have uh, college-age girls, and so when they were in high school, sometimes you got to compromise. I couldn't always get them to listen to Skid Row. So I had to listen to Love Story or something like that. So that's your number one song, Love Story by Taylor Swift. The, you know, my Taylor Swift thing, the thing that I go back to is like, I guess it was at the Grammys or maybe the American Music Awards when Kanye West went up there and took the microphone away from her and says, hey, I'm going to let you finish. But you know, Beyonce's video was the greatest of all time, whatever. And I'm sure that was great, but it was very poor form. And uh, I know a lot of people are Kanye West fans. He lost some support when all that stuff happened. It's just kind of disingenuous, no matter how you feel about award shows. And people are like, oh, it's just not fair. Hey, let me tell you something. In, in our youth, we had to sit there, and we finally got a medal category at the Grammys. And we were so excited that our music was finally being recognized by the American recording industry. And so we get a Grammy category for metal, and we're so excited. And they gave it to Jethro Tull. Metallica had the Black Album, one of the greatest selling albums of all time, and they gave it to Jethro Tull. Well, the next year, because there was so much backlash, even though Metallica didn't have a new album out, they gave it to Metallica. And, and Lars Ulrich walks up to the microphone and says, he's thanking everybody. And we'd like to thank Jethro Tull for not releasing an album this year. And uh, again, it just kind of shows you what all those award shows are really about. or so much politics and all that stuff. Uh, it reminds me, too, is since we're chasing the rabbit trail here, a lot of people don't know this. So when Girls, Girls, Girls from Motley Crue debuted, it, like, it went like gangbusters. And so they had risen in the top ten, and then the week, the week that they should have gone number one, they outsold every record in the industry. They had sold more records than anybody. And then the record, Billboard, most people put uh, Whitney Houston number one, even though she didn't sell as many records. But again, that's, you know, it's the power of Clive Davis and marketing, that sort of stuff. They wanted to be able to say, hey, that this album debuted at number one. And so they kind of shut Motley Crue out, even though Motley had sold more records. So Motley stayed at number two. So Girls, Girls, Girls never made it to the Billboard number one spot. A lot of politics involved in all that stuff. You didn't know you were getting that today either. All right, let's thank our good friends at Campus Bookmark. Love those folks to death, man. They're like family to me. Every time I go in there, they treat me so wonderfully. Love them to death, and they love you. They'll treat you like family because in their minds, you are family. Standing man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie Candy, everybody else. Great people doing a great job for a great business in a great town, for a great fan base. Be sure and go by and see them in person, but if you can't make it to town, perhaps you live out of, out of state, maybe you don't get to Starkville very often, get yourself a taste of Starkville by visiting them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And, and listen, baseball season's going to be here soon. You're going to want that M over S hoodie. You're going to want that for these early year games because you're going to want to get out there and cheer for the dogs and you don't want to be out there wearing like some nondescript, you know, coat. You want to be repping the Bulldog brand. 
Be sure and do that. You'll be glad you did. And listen, let me buy some for the kids too. Do it. I remember when I was a kid, man, when you get those extra special gifts when it's not your birthday or Christmas, they almost mean more. You know what I'm saying? And I know for like my kids, it's like, hey, I just bought you this just because you're a good kid. I just bought you this because I love you. I was thinking about you. I thought you might like this. It means it meant a lot to me. It means a lot to them. So treat yourself. Treat your kids. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's talk some women's hoops. Mississippi State's 14-game winning streak in the series against Ole Miss comes to an end. And here's the deal. We knew it was going to happen at some point. And to be fair, it probably was going to happen last year. And then the game got canceled due to uh, inclement weather. You know, we didn't get to do it. And it's kind of been trending that way, you know, for the last couple of years. I mean, really, ever since Big left, you know, Ole Miss has been gaining ground on us. And we've kind of met in the middle. You know, they've gotten better. You know, we've gotten worse. And that's not just to in any way to dismiss the effort of the ladies that are playing so hard for Mississippi State right now. But here's the deal. You know, even though we won 14 in a row, you're only as good as your last game. And, and Ole Miss won the game handily. They're better than us. And, and I, I'm not too proud to admit that. I mean, I hate losing to Ole Miss in anything. I mean, if they sold tickets to to watch, uh, you know, two kids wearing state and Ole Miss shirts play Chinese checkers, I'm, I'm going to be up there yelling hell state and go to hell Ole Miss. But, you know, the reality of it is, is that this is a game that Ole Miss really wanted. It has been kind of – we talk about Alabama having our number. We have had their number for years, 14 consecutive wins. It had been years since we had a basketball player graduate that had a loss to Ole Miss. And so, in many respects, you knew this was the one, and you knew that Coach Yo would have them up to play, and they did. They jumped on us early and really kind of rode that to the end. And, you know, State makes a, makes a game of it there in the fourth quarter, but it had already been decided. I mean, they had – Ole Miss did what they wanted to do, and you tipped the cap to them. And you know, I saw the comments, you know, we plan to go do it in Starkville too. You know, if if you have any pride in yourself at all and somebody calls a shot like that against you, you got to be sure that uh, you bring your launch pail next time. Because, they, listen, they want to beat us and want to beat us badly just like we want to beat them. And it's in every sport. It is. But, again, you don't sit here and make excuses. You don't sit here and say, well, there's this. No. You go play the game, there's a winner, there's a loser. Ole Miss won, we lost. And Ole Miss won handily. It's as simple as that. I mean, we can sit here and make excuses. Well, there was it. No, no. They beat us. And there was no doubt who the better team was yesterday. I kept flipping back and forth, you know, watching some playoff football. And, you know, you you, you hope. I mean, it's like when they get ready to get on the plane, you're thinking, okay, well, we got everybody back, it looks like, you know, unless there's some kind of, you know, winter weather that prevents us from getting to Oxford, we're going to go play the game. And you think, okay, if we can go up there and survive the first quarter, we got a shot. We didn't. Ole Miss, a 10-point advantage in the first quarter, 23-13. Uh, then this, they beat that in the second quarter, 25-13. So it is a 48-26 game at the half. And if you know much about women's athletics or women's basketball, that may as well have been 50, honestly. Honestly. Um, third quarter, we come out after we have, uh, you know, kind of reestablished ourselves a little bit and said, okay, let's put some things together. And they beat us 24-14 there in the third period. The game is over at that point. With, you know, it's what a 70, what 70, I, I can do the math here. It's 10, 12, and 10. So 32-point differential after three. 
and then we outscore them 31-14 there in the fourth. But it was academic, really. I mean, it's, and, and the attendance in the ballgame was 2260. Uh, that's your paid attendance. Probably a handful of Bulldog fans there, too, uh, doing their part, and I commend those that went. Mississippi State had a pretty good scoring day from a couple players. Anastasia Hayes with 24 points in the ballgame, also had four personal fouls. Still played 37 minutes. Rakia Jackson, uh, it's nice to have her back in lineup. 38 minutes, 8 of 15 from the floor, 3 of 4 from 3, knocked down all three of her free throws. Pulled down five boards and uh, 22 points on the night. Had a nice, emphatic block early on. Jerkelia Jordan, 38 minutes of action, 15 points for her. You had one more double-digit score, and that's Kateria Thompson. And so, you know, you're missing Carter, you know, and so there was a a, a much difference, uh, a pretty big difference there in rebounding. The Ole Miss Rebels, the Lady Rebs, uh, with a 43-23 advantage on the glass. Kind of a tough thing to, to overcome uh, when you don't have your leading rebounder. Uh, Donata Johnson for them pulls down 10 rebounds. Uh, Shakira Austin as well. I mean, it's so you got a couple players out there double-double against you, and you're kind of, you know, hapless. And you say, well, you know, Steve, if we have today, maybe it's a different ballgame. You know, maybe it is, but she wasn't there. Simple as that. It is what it is. The Rebels shot it exceptionally well, 52%. And then 60% from three-point land. But they didn't have to shoot a lot, just three or five. And But, you know, the bottom line is when you can go inside and get your mid-range game working for you. And you'd say, well, you know, State just didn't shoot it well. We actually shot 48%. And we did. And we turned the ball over 17 times. You can say, well, that's a lot. Ole Miss turned over 15. The bottom line is they just shot it better. We didn't shoot it poorly. They just shot it better. And a ton of second-chance points for Ole Miss, 20 for them. We had just eight. You know, the bench, very good for them, too, 27 points. And uh, 17 points off turnovers for them, just 13 for us. We did have 44 points in the paint, despite the fact that we had uh, such a size disadvantage. But at the end of the day, you just tip your cap to Ole Miss and say, hey, you know what? You got us. There's no you know, point in making any excuses. You know, the record book is what it is. And so now you regroup if you're the ladies and you get ready to go uh, play again. You got to figure some things out. And listen, the ladies, that's one thing about this group we know. This group of ladies, they're going to come out and compete. There's no doubt about it. They're going to come out and compete. Uh, Doug's got them playing really well. And as much as the loss to Ole Miss stings, it's just one loss. Uh, looking at your SEC standings, Tennessee on top at 6-0, 17-1 overall. South Carolina 5-1. and uh, Their long loss in the league is to Missouri. Of course, South Carolina and Tennessee will play. That'd be a big ball game. LSU, 5-1, and 17-2. Kim Mulkey doing great things down there. You knew she would. Uh, fourth in the league is Ole Miss, 3-1, and 15-2 overall. And I've seen some people complaining why they're not ranked. They didn't have a very challenging non-conference schedule. They'll get their opportunities. Uh, Florida, 3-2 and 13-5, and and doing a much better job down there. Georgia, 2-2, 13-3. And and uh, Missouri, 2-2, 13-4. Two and, two, and, and then there's your Bulldogs, 2-2, two 11-5 and two, overall. Kentucky, 1-2, 8-5. That's a road game. You remember they got rescheduled, probably one that we need to get once we get a chance to go back up there. Arkansas, 1-3, 11-6 overall. Vanderbilt, 1-3, 10-8, though they have played better. A&M, 1-4, 11-6. And then news broke yesterday, Gary Blair plans to retire. One of Vic Chaffer's having some buyer's remorse. Alabama 1-5, 10-7 overall. And then Auburn 0-5, 8-8. And, and, and that's Johnny Harris's team. And I, I don't want to say anything negative about Johnny Harris, okay? But one of the things that I wanted to say about, about that is there were a lot of people that felt like Johnny Harris should be the coach at Mississippi State. You know, 
continuity, I think, is a big thing. The really, if I'm thinking about Johnny Harris's career, I really thought the career path would be Johnny would leave Vic and then coach maybe at the G5 level, win after a couple of years, kind of learn to be the floor general, and then get to move to the Power Five. And it's going to take her a little time. But 0-5 in the league, in a very unforgiving league, even though there is some parity within the league this year, you know, Auburn is a team that, uh, you know, historically has been middle of the pack at best. But 0-5 is 0-5. So we hope Johnny and the ladies kind of get the thing turned around there. Johnny Harris, one of the nicest ladies to ever grace the Mississippi State campus. Uh, so really hope that things work out well for her. But I'm a little surprised that they're 0-5 and 8-8 and 8 and, and uh, really kind of staring a losing season right in the face. And, again, it'll take a year or two for her to get her ladies in that kind of fit her system. Uh, but you, you would have liked to have seen her get off to a little bit better start there. So uh, what's next for your ladies? Well, that's a good question. I'll tell you. So thumbing through the schedule right now, we'll get Georgia at our place on Thursday, and then we'll be at Arkansas on Sunday. And so we just went through these schedules. I mean, the standings, you know, Georgia kind of right there with us, comparable. Going to be at our place, need a nice crowd. Then we go to Arkansas, who is just a game behind us in the SEC standings. So these are two winnable games. They're also two losable games. Basically toss-up games in many respects. And then we'll get Missouri at our place uh, next Thursday. So if you're looking for some, some women's basketball action, you're going to get plenty this week. A lot to kind of look forward to. And again, you play the game on Sunday, you get the longer week, and so the ladies have a chance to get a home game. And it'd be nice for them to have a nice homecoming. Now, hopefully that you all will turn out uh, and be a part of that. So Georgia, again, on Thursday. Arkansas at Arkansas on Sunday. Final segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Portico. Brooks Bryant is my friend, your friend, a friend to all who wear the maroon and white. Like, like Brooks a lot. I never knew that Brooks would be my friend. You know what I'm saying? Like He was Brooks Bryan of the Mississippi State Bulldog baseball team. Never knew that I'd get a chance to, you know, have a chance to talk to him, have his cell number. I'm going to give you his cell number. How about that? Because I, w- I want you to be friends with Brooks too. It's 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. Well, Steve, why do I need Brooks' number? Well, you're going to be moving to Starkville. You don't know it yet. But somebody in your family wants to move to Starkville. Maybe it's you. Maybe they want it more than you do. Brooks is going to help that person win you over. Or maybe they're going to help you win them over. Because Portico is a great place to live. Very easy to get to, off of 82, on a 12, very first right, Pat Station Road, boom, takes you to Portico. 1.1 miles from the Mississippi State campus. For some of us, that's the closest to heaven we're ever going to be, to be that close one miles from the Mississippi State campus. But you're on the best side. You're on the residential side, not quite as busy and frenetic over there. You got that great neighborhood market over there. And here's the deal. Phase one, completely done. And uh, he sent me some pictures, you know, getting those roads finished up over there in phase two. You still got time to pick out your lot and your house plans and get that house built the way you want it. Give Brooks a call. Give him a text and say, hey, listen, I've heard about this on the show and I've been reluctant to get involved, but can you give me some information? Brooks is happy to do that. And, of course, use our friend Blair. We make it easy for you. You want to move to Starkville. You want to have perhaps a retirement home here, second home here, maybe an investment property here. Portico is going to be a great place, man. I, if I was moving to Starkville now, Portico is where I would move. Simple as that. 
No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Make Portico your next move. Okay, so next time we get together, Mississippi State will have announced the spring enrollees for football. You can say, well, Steve, we just finished football season. Yes, you're correct. We're getting ready for spring practice. We're getting ready for spring workouts. And so let me, let me kind of update you on some of this. So over the weekend, we pick up Justin Robinson from the University of Georgia. Guy's going to come in here and have a chance to play, I guess, four, game, four, four seasons to play three because 2020 didn't count. So we'll have a COVID year available to him. But, of course, that counts in the scholarship numbers. But the reality of it is you went out and got a big 6'4", 215, 220-pound receiver that was highly recruited out of high school with the Eagles landing Christian Academy, back-to-back state championships out there, back-to-back all-state selections. And this is a commitment, too, that kind of came out of nowhere, to be honest with you. I got a tip that morning about Justin, and next thing you know, he's committed. Old Snake Eyes Spurrier out here recruiting under the cloak of darkness like a ninja goes and gets a guy out of Georgia. He enters the portal. Next thing you know, he's headed to Mississippi State. Didn't take a visit. Just said, hey, let's do it. I'm going to be part of the air raid. Now, he missed some time as a true freshman in 2020. He had a shoulder injury, and I believe it was a foot injury. I believe it's correct. And then this year he had some hamstring injuries. You see, with Steve, that's a lot of injuries. Yeah, that's your concern. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that are kind of injury prone. You hope that this, these are not connected. You know, they're just kind of isolated incidents. That's what you hope. But you go out and you get two young receivers in the portal, and a lot of people are thinking, Steve, I don't, why, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Well, what, here's what that tells me. Because State could have got R.J. Sneed from Baylor. Sneed was here last week and visited as we talked on Friday's show. Boiled down to an either-or situation. Sneed, one year to play. Robinson, three years to play. Does Sneed make you a better football team in 22? Yeah, probably so. But the fact, I think it was an either-or situation. Spurrier decides to go with the younger guy. Of course, he has more eligibility. And the fact that he's already transferred one time, he doesn't have that immediate eligibility option available to him after he gets here, right? So if he does decide to transfer, He's going to have to do it as a grad transfer after sit out a year. So you have some security in knowing this is a guy that will likely be here, you know, for the balance of his career. One good rule they put in. You get one free transfer. Um, but the reality of it is, is we've gone young in the portal. You know, you go get Mosley from Northwestern, who redshirted this year. He's a freshman. And you get a redshirt freshman for Georgia. So why would we go young in the portal? What that tells me is we feel we must feel good about what we have returning. And you say, well, see, what do we have returning? Well, there's a lot of talk that Malik Heath may be back. You know, he went through senior day and had every intentions of going pro. And now all of a sudden he has a car accident. He's recovering. And so now there's a possibility of him coming back. And so I was told on bowl game day, it looks like he's coming back. But I was told earlier today, no firm decision. But, again, the, the door is open for him to come back, and he's figuring some things out. With or without him, Steve Spurrier decided to go young in the portal. Well, you begin to think, Steve, well, what else do we have out there? Well, you know, there's a lot of receivers you guys don't know yet. You know, Teddy Knox was a highly recruited kid. He went to the Woodlands High School in Houston, but he is a South Louisiana guy. He's here. Staff's really excited about him. You had not seen much from him. You're going to. 
Antonio Harmon is the guy that Steve Spurrier Jr. kind of stayed on, kind of kept him warm for a while. Then a best available scholarship opened up late. You take Antonio Harmon, who has been a freak on this campus. Jacoby Moore, another guy, kind of cut in the same cloth. I don't know that he's quite as thick as Antonio Harmon, but these young guys that are maturing and developing at Mississippi State, there is a lot of optimism about their production value at Mississippi State the next few years. And then you think, oh, I've got Austin Williams coming back. I got Jim Calvin coming back. I got Jaden Wiley coming back. And, you know, and I'm talking with the illustrious hind dog. We're talking about all these four star receivers. And I, I give Colonel Kang some credit. He put that list together. I think we have nine, nine four star wide receivers, assuming Heath comes back. When has that ever happened at Mississippi State? When have we ever had that kind of offensive skill at the wide receiver position? I don't know that we ever have. Now, when Steve Spurrier, Mike Leach, and Dave Nickel got here, that's one thing they said is, hey, we got to really allocate some scholarships and kind of rebuild the wide receiver room. And you go out and you get a guy like Jaden Wiley. Now, well, he wasn't one of our four stars, but I would venture to say that we've gotten four-star production out of him. Yeah, he's had some drops. He's got to get better. But the guy's explosive. Guys got a chance to do some big things. And so that wasn't even one of your four stars. You know, Tulu Griffin, you know what you're going to get with him. You may, you may not know this, but Jameer Calvin was a four-star too. Austin Williams, I don't, I don't know that we've gotten four-star production out of him, but we've gotten our scholarship money out of him. Guy was a mid-level three-star. Absolutely tore up all the combines. Had a great senior season. And Austin Williams is one of the most reliable players on your team. Guy's a leader, going to come back next year. You lose Makai Polk, and you're like, well, you know, we don't have anybody quite like that. Well, maybe we do, and we just don't know it yet. Those are the things you begin to think about. Makai Polk was undervalued and underappreciated and underutilized at Cal. Now, I don't know what that wide receiver room looked like, but the guy came in here and caught 105 passes. That tells me, you know what, maybe you should have done a better job getting the football if you're Cal. And some of it, too, is a product of the system. And so I'm confident, without even talking to Steve Spurrier, I'm sure that he went out and told Mosley and Robinson, hey, we can do for you what we did for Makai Polk. This is a guy that, you know, hey, had a ton of ability, didn't have a ton of opportunity. You can come in here and work hard. We're going to throw you to football. And when you see how big Robinson is, you kind of begin to ask yourself, you're like, holy smokes. And what do we got here? I don't know that we've had a receiver quite like him in a while. You can say, well, Jordan Thomas. Well, Jordan Thomas didn't have the foot speed. You know, Jordan Thomas is a big, massive human being out there that uh, had pretty good hands for a bigger guy. Robinson's a freak. You go watch that video. I, I put it up on the uh, on the Jeans page uh, website, the little scouting report over the weekend. Guy could really play. So those guys will be announced tomorrow. And let me run this down for you. There will be several mid-year enrollments announced tomorrow. A ton. So let me run these down for you just because I think you should know. All right, let's see if I I can find the list here. Okay, so here we go. So, okay, so here we go. So Braden Locke, the quarterback out of Rockwell, kind of Mike Leach's hand-picked guy. Going to be a mid-year enrollment guy. You know, Sawyer Robertson wasn't last year. A lot of people wondered, hey, you know, if Sawyer had been here in January, would he have really challenged for the starting job? Don't know. 
But I know that the fact that he didn't enroll in June kind of removed him from the competition. Does Braden Locke come in and really push anybody? Yeah, probably not. But the fact that he's here says a lot about, you know, his development and his maturation for the future. Janoris Hobson out of Horn Lake, mid-year enrollment guy. That's pretty cool, right? It's outstanding. This is a guy that decided early. Jacarius Clayton from Tupelo, Mississippi State, flips him on National Signing Day away from Ole Miss. The first flip on Signing Day from State, to State from Ole Miss, since uh, LaMarcus Williams and Robert Elliott did it years and years ago. It's usually the other way around, right? But we got him. So those three high school guys will be here also with Percy Lewis and DeCarlos Nicholson. You, you're aware of that. Junior college transfers out of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Need both of those guys to have big springs. We need both of those guys to really contribute next year. So that gives you five. And then you begin to kind of run this thing through here and you start thinking, okay, what about all our transfers? Well, that's the thing. Your major transfer guys are here. So you've got Marcus Banks, who has already moved in to Starkville. That's a former Alabama corner who likely would have started in the national championship game due to some injuries at the position. Josh Job, of course, went down for the year. Marcus Banks going to come in here and compete right away for a starting position. And it would be interesting, too. What, what do you do with he and DeCarlos Nicholson? You know, we need to get an impact safety. We feel like we have one. We need to get another one. But does DeCarlos go to a safety spot? That's the thing, too. You know, we want to play our five best DBs, kind of regardless of position. Do Banks and Nicholson both end up on the field, along with the Cameron Richardson? That's a possibility. We'll see how things progress. I think at this point, you feel really good about Jalen Green, and you feel really good about Emmanuel Forbes, and I think everything else is wide open. We mentioned Justin Robinson. He'll be here. Didn't even visit. West Virginia transfer Jackie Matthews. We talked about him last week. I really, really, really like his game. I really do. And then there's Northwestern transfer Jordan Mosley. Like his game, too. He's, he's really more straight line fast. Would like to see a little more diverse route tree, and that's what college coaching will do for you. You know, the guy has a natural ability, and it's like – I said this in his scouting report. Is this a byproduct of the offense they run, or does it just boil down to, hey, just throw it deep and let Jordan go get it? If you watch the film, even when sometimes the safety had the angle, they couldn't keep up with him. And so if you got a quarterback that can throw the fade and you got a kid that can constantly beat guys off the line and run by everybody, you're going to throw that a lot. And so that may have been a byproduct of, you know, what was available. You know, why, will you, why do you want to run him on some sophisticated route tree when you can just throw the dead gum fade? Uh, so that's, you know, he's still kind of raw in his development, didn't play a whole lot. And, and I, I saw some people say, oh, we didn't do much. He was a true freshman. How many true freshmen make an impact on the Power 5 level wide receiver? Not very many. When you factor in that Northwestern, one of the more balanced offenses in the country this past year, you know, you didn't have a big demand at the wide receiver position. It's not like they ran the air raid and mostly couldn't get in the rotation. A lot of two-receiver sets at Northwestern. Three receivers at times two. Uh, so you start doing the math on this. You say, okay, well, that's, you know, you have three high school guys, a couple of JUCO guys, uh, you know, four transfers and potentially more. And there could be – I suspect you're going to have one transfer announced tomorrow that I hadn't publicly announced. And let me just tell you, he's a kicker. So we'll see how things progress there. And, you know, that we thought Jake Bates was coming. 
from Texas State. He ends up going to Arkansas. You know, of course, that's a non-scholarship guy. It's a guy we recruited. It's preferred walk-on. He likes to go to Arkansas. Arkansas, of course, loses their kickoff guy. Uh, Vito Calvarusi goes to Wisconsin. So we're out here recruiting a lot of specialists, still trying to get some things done. Gabriel Placencia, of course, expected to be here and, and will compete at all three kicking disciplines. And then there's another kicker out there. We talked about him before. You guys can do the math. But uh, he has not gone public with his decision. That's expected to happen tomorrow. Basically, will this be announced uh, by the university. So you're looking at 10 new Bulldogs coming in on scholarship and then participating in spring practice uh, beginning tomorrow. So spring practice, I will be on tomorrow. But they'll be here and in class and getting ready to roll uh, and being ready to go for spring practice sooner rather than later. So uh, you like where things are trending. So you say, okay, well, Steve, how many spots do we have left? Well, as it stands today, we have five. One of those is allocated for the kicker, so that gives you four. So you got four spots left. You say, well, Steve, how can that be? I thought that there was this exemption this year where we could exceed the 25 limit. Well, it's true. You can. We've already used one of our grants on Jameer Calvin. He didn't sign your, except through fall camp, so he counts forward. So we have 31 spots, and we've already – counting the transfers that we've already announced, you got 26. Then you got the kicker that takes one more, so you have four spots left. And so what do you need to do? Well, you'd like to get a portal offensive lineman. You know, Tremont Shorts is a guy we hosted on a visit last week. We expect him to announce for LSU. Mason Brooks is a guy we chased for a while. He's going to Ole Miss. We, we heard last week it was going to be Auburn or Ole Miss. Looks appears he's headed to Ole Miss. And so Pines, uh, Princeton Pines is a guy that we had recruited out of high school, went to Baylor, then to Stephen F. Austin. He is a June enrollment guy. Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt is another guy. It's a junior enrollment guy. These guys have to go through and, and graduate to be grad transfers. But uh, the reality of it is we got to get a junior a, – a portal – excuse me, an NCAA transfer, some, some guy to portal, whether they be a right – we'd prefer a right tackle to have a stopgap guy while, you know, Albert Reese continues to develop. We do expect Albert Reese to be a monster at Mississippi State. Uh, but the reality of it is we'd like to get an experienced guy to be at right tackle. I don't think we panic right here. I don't, I don't think you have to go out and get a guy just to get a guy. Because you know what's going to happen after spring practice is all of a sudden you're going to have a bunch of guys go on the portal again. I think it behooves Mississippi State to save a spot for that, just in case. Just in case. You could find a potential starter and say, well, Steve, you missed spring practice. I think on the offensive line you're probably okay there. It's not an extremely sophisticated system in that respect. And you know, if you go get a veteran experienced guy at the portal, then I think you can plug that guy in. You get the benefit of summer to kind of get him up to speed. I would be okay with that. It's not like he's a quarterback or a wide receiver or even guys in the secondary like at corners. I mean, I, I think linebackers and those guys have a lot to do and a lot, to, a lot of keys to learn. I think you'd be okay. And even if that means going and getting a veteran offensive guard and kicking Cam Jones out there, and, and, and trust me, that's not ideal, but it is something that we can do. So one of those spots, I believe, is reserved for an offensive lineman. Then you've got to get an impact safety. I think you need one more safety out there. You'd like to get him now, and you have until the draft bad day to get him. That doesn't mean that you have to panic and take a guy to take a guy. That's how you kind of get in a situation we're in now. We discussed that on last one of the last week's shows about how one of the reasons that we're in such a deficiency at safety right now is we've, we've had some guys that hadn't panned out. 
And a lot of those guys were, were developmental guys that either haven't developed or have transferred and left the program. And so now you begin to think, okay, let's take our time. Let's don't panic. Let's go get another guy. And how valuable has Jason Washington been? Getting Marcus Banks this year, getting Jerry, Jalen Green last year. Those are kids that he recruited before, had relationships with the family, so he didn't have to try to build a relationship in a couple days. He already had one. I think that's an important part of things. Jason Washington doing a good job for Mississippi State, for sure. So you'd like to see him get another guy. Well, then what does that leave you? Well, you got two spots left. You probably need to get a high school corner. I think you've got to get some, you know, you've got some older guys now. You need some younger guys to kind of develop behind them. There are some guys out there. Still some value at high school. And, and again, you, you're not expecting that guy to see the field for a year or two. So you can go kind of get the measurables you're looking for, long as they have the athleticism and the coachability that, that you expect. And you can develop that guy. We're not going out looking to sign a high school guy expecting him to come in and play this year. So you can kind of be selective. Find the guy that fits what you're looking for. And then maybe a high school offensive lineman. Now, here's the deal, too. Now, you'd say, well, Steve, we're going to go out and sign five, six offensive linemen and five, six receivers every year. Yeah, probably. Probably. But you may have some other guys go on the portal, too. You know, matter of fact, I would expect some more guys to go on the portal post-spring. There's a couple guys right now I'm surprised hadn't already gone in. But there will be some other ones post-spring. Because actually, if we sign the full 31, we're going to be over a few spots. So we're going to have to have some guys leave in the spring in order for us to, to be at 85 once fall camp begins. Now, we know that's going to happen. And those, some of those conversations have already taken place between player and coach. It's just a matter of them kind of executing it. Some of those guys even said, hey, coach, I'm not going to be back. I'm not going to come out for spring football. I'm going to finish up academically, and I'm going to transfer at the end of spring. Some of those conversations have already taken place. So just kind of be mindful of that. There are some guys out there on the scholarship roles that haven't, like, made some big declaration. And you wouldn't – most people wouldn't do that anyway. Like, if you're going in the portal, you need the publicity, right? You need people to retweet you and write articles about you so other schools kind of know you're out there. And you say, well, isn't somebody always monitoring the portal? Well, yes, they are. But the more pub you get, the better it is. If you're just – like, say, for an example, if you're just deciding, hey, listen, I'm done with football, I've been a little bit banged up, I'm just going to finish up this spring semester, get my degree, and go live a life outside of football, you're not going to go make a, gra- a graphic for that. If you're not transferring or going pro, you don't really need any publicity in that respect. And so that's something to be mindful of as we get ready to move forward because a lot of people begin to wonder, what are we going to do with all these guys? Well, some of it's already been taken care of. Some of it's already understood that certain guys are moving on outside of football. And that's not just here. It's everywhere. So that's kind of how I see it. If I had to call it today, I would say high school corner, high school offensive lineman, but that could be an offensive best available. So, like, if you like if you find a great running back, like if A.J. Allen wants to come, well, then you don't sign a high school offensive lineman. You take him. Then you begin to think we get a portal offensive lineman. Well, if you don't get what you want out of the portal, well, then you take the high school offensive lineman there. And you've got to get a safety somewhere. So, I think that's really what we're down to. We're down to four spots. Pretty simple when you get down to it. And a couple of those could be linemen. And so that's what we'll, want, we'll watch. But, again, if, if a difference maker comes along, let's say for all of a sudden that an edge rusher shows up 
All of a sudden, somebody goes into the portal that's an edge rusher that could be a difference maker for us that has an interest in coming here. Well, you make an adjustment, and you go get that guy. But this is it. This is the class of 22 kind of coming, you know, the final pieces now kind of falling into place. And so when you begin to think about official visit weekends, you know, kind of what's left down the stretch, you know, you're not going to have, you know, 10, 15 kids visiting a weekend when you've only got four spots. You may only have two or three a weekend as we kind of get into this thing here because you, you've really kind of narrowed your focus down to just a handful of positions and it's a handful of guys for each position. And there's a handful of high school offensive linemen out there we're already talking about. Matter of fact, I posted about all those guys here the last few days because you know, your coaches are back on the road. And there'll be some names that'll pop up. There'll be some guys that didn't sign in December that all of a sudden may have a renewed interest in Mississippi State or maybe we have a renewed interest in them. Uh, I know Jalen Farmer, former Florida commitment, is a guy that's expected to visit Auburn, Florida, and Mississippi State. Uh, I guess he's already visited one of those schools, but he'll be Mississippi State the last weekend. You know, that's an offensive line prospect. You'd like to take him. You know, John Hevesy he was a guy who wasn't always the best of evaluators, but, you know, he found some guys that were kind of blue-collar. I wouldn't mind taking a John Hevesy kid, wouldn't you? I mean, hey, those guys generally played hard for us. You know, Hev is a guy that didn't always have the most patient uh, approach to recruiting, but he went out and found the grinders. And so I think I'd be okay. Not, not to mention if a guy's getting that kind of interest from SEC schools, uh, you know, we're not so smart, you know, that we can consistently beat Southern Miss and Memphis for kids and expect to beat LSU and Alabama on the field. You know, you got to go get some guys that have some SEC juice. And so that's something we'll kind of monitor and watch. But uh, Paul Jones and I – keeping our ears to the ground, guys, and uh, kind of getting you guys some information and trying to keep everybody updated as best we can. And let me share this with you, too. Transfer portal recruiting. You know, I've been covering recruiting now for, oh, goodness, well, over 20 years. Transfer portal recruiting is very, very different. You know, and I had a conversation with Chris Brooks, uh, our good friend Chris, uh, formerly of Mississippi Gridiron. I guess he still does that, but he's uh, working over uh, with our old Miss affiliate now. It's one – the high school stuff is different, you know, because you get to meet the guys at junior days, you see them at camps, you, you follow them, you've covered them, and so you kind of have an idea about who they are and what they're about and that sort of stuff. And you've got a whole year to kind of figure out what the connections are around them. Always oh, uncle played at Mississippi State or, you know, he had an aunt that attended to their miss and they, they went to football games down there, you know. So you kind of get to know the lay of the land. This transfer portal recording stuff is completely different. Completely different. Names pop up out of nowhere. And you think, okay, well, does this guy already have a landing spot in mind? Has there already been a deal put together? Is he going in the portal now and going to sign with somebody tomorrow? And we've seen some of that, even with some of our own players. They would go in the portal with us and then commit to Southern Miss a day or two later. And that that's not to say there's any tampering. It's not what I'm trying to suggest. My point is – is that new names pop up and you've got to be on it quick and a lot of these young people aren't talking. They don't want to do interviews. Now, I interviewed Mason Brooks, interviewed Tremont Shorts, and uh, Paul was able to get Marcus Banks. And so, you know, Massimo Biscardi is a kicker that State's been, uh, you know, mentioned in connection with for, for weeks and he's not talking. You know, and so you're kind of having to depend on other people to help you. And so when you don't have access to the decision maker themselves – you're having to depend on secondhand information. And then things change so rapidly. It's, oh, well, now all of a sudden this guy's got an offer from us. 
Well, then as soon as you do the interview with him, and uh, just like when I spoke to J.D. Dorenza, I spoke to him, and he had a dozen offers the first day, and then before I got the article ro- uh, posted, he already had three more. And so next thing you know, things are really rolling fast. So new names pop up and new options pop up for them. And so we're doing our best to navigate through all that too. I mean, it's difficult for us, and I think Paul Jones and I have done a pretty good job getting these guys on the phone and being able to get you guys some information. The, the, the problem with that is, is the information gets dated very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. The Marcus Banks situation, you know, if Jason Washington doesn't have a relationship with Marcus Banks and his mother, he, we're not even in the conversation. But because of the fact he recruited him in high school, you know, we feel like we had a chance. And then he agrees to take an official visit here. And then I'll be honest with you guys, shortly after that visit ended, and the talk was, hey, you know, Starkville might be just a little bit too small. And he talked about going home, being closer to home. You know, Miami thought they had him. And so it was kind of a weird recruitment. But even though he committed, some other schools continued to recruit him. But to his credit, he and his mom stayed the course. And now here they are. And there was some discussion last week. You know, LSU, Texas, and others were trying to get him in this weekend. They had mentioned to some other people, like, hey, what are chances of us getting him in? But his mom and him were like, you know what? Now we're moving to Starkville. We're going on. And so what's incredible about that stuff, too, is, like, we talk about the moving pieces. You know, look at some of our guys that have left the portal, left Mississippi State, entered the portal, and then within days they've announced for Southern Miss or other places – and there are other guys out there. I'm like, Rodney Gross. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I didn't expect him to get Arizona State. You know, how quickly does that happen? And then Aaron Brulace headed to Michigan State. You know, the portal is a much different animal for all of us. And the transfer rankings now are kind of being updated. And everybody is kind of learning on the fly. But they've got to do some things, I think, to tweak this whole transfer thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I am a proponent for the transfer portal because I don't think you should do anything – to impede uh, the opportunities for student athletes. But there has to be some level of protection for schools. Like I, we talk about this one-time exemption to allow people to exceed the annual 25 to get back up to 85. Well, what you're seeing now is a lot of schools are just processing guys out. It's like, well, hey, if I can run this guy off and not have any consequence, then I'll just run this guy off and then I'll sign somebody else. And so you're not just replenishing rosters. People are trying to use it to upgrade rosters. Fair or unfair, that's what's happening. Then I think student athletes that are transferring, four-year transfers, should have the ability to sign a national letter of intent whenever they want to. You know, if Marcus Banks goes ahead and commits to Mississippi State, I think he should have the ability, he and his mom, to go ahead and sign a national letter of intent. So you know what? We're done. We've made our selection. We're finished. Nobody contact us anymore. Now, you don't see a lot of flips. You've seen some this year. I guess Dylan Gabriel, of course, was announced that he was going to go to UCLA, and then he ends up at Oklahoma. You know, so there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it, to say the least. And we know about this name, image, and likeness thing. And, and I'll be honest with you, we've heard that the, the state of Alabama is looking to repeal their name, image, and likeness legislation. I expect some major changes in Mississippi, too. Do they repeal the law or change the law? See, here's the deal. When the laws were put on the books – it was basically to protect the student athletes, to ensure that the NCAA didn't kind of overstep their bounds and say, hey, we're not going to allow name, image, and likeness legislation. And so that was the thought process. Well, you know, kind of in our haste to get that thing done, 
to kind of force the NCAA's hand to do something, which is you know proven to be a, an exercise in futility. I don't think we considered the collateral damage because, like right now, like there are some states out there that universities can be a part of setting up a name, image, and likeness deal. Well, you can't in Mississippi, not legally. Now, of course, you know the rules don't always apply. Some of them in the state. But my point being is that we've got to all be on a level playing field. We discussed that ad nauseum. But they've got the, the NCAA, and this is where this is where things I think are are very difficult. When you have poor leadership at the top, and you have people that are scared to make decisions, and other people make decisions for you, and you begin this reactionary type leadership, well, then you're not leading, and that's where I think Mark Emmert and his folks have to do something. Even though I was completely against them canceling college baseball season in 2020, I admire the, 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 the fact that we made a decisive decision. We made the decision we're going to live with it. I, I don't know that it was the right decision, but you know what? I can respect the fact that we made a decision. All this other stuff is ridiculous. People that are scared to make decisions have no business being leadership positions. Simple as that. And so now we've allowed the federal government to get involved in this name, image, and likeness thing. And this is where I think Mark Emmert has to step in and say, okay, boom, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this, 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 and this. You make your presentation to the university presidents. You get them to sign off on it. And you, you take ownership of your organization. That's what's happened now. Basically, Mark Emmert and those guys kicked the can down the road as long as they could, hoping somebody else would fix it. They don't want to address the issue. That's where me and them are much different. All right, listen, let's get out of here. And thank you guys so much for the support. We're, now we're about uh, 10 days or so from Dogpile being here. How about that? 10 days away from me laying my hands on it and signing your books. If you haven't ordered online, you can at dogpilethebook.com. Many of you have been waiting for months. I wish I could have done something to change that. I've been waiting for months too. It, people say, hey, Steve, looking forward to the new book. And I wrote it so long ago, I'm not even sure what they're talking about. Now, Dogpile is uh, up and ready to roll. And... Uh, expecting to get a firm ship date. They were told me on around 26th, uh, about a week, 10 days ago. And of course, it'll take a couple days to get here. And then I'll head down to Jackson. I'll sign those books and then they'll hit the mailbox. And so you're close. And I know many of you are really excited and said, hey, this will be perfect. I'll be able to read this before baseball season. And that's kind of an interesting byproduct of all this thing too. As much as I hated the delays, I kind of like the fact that Dogpile is going to kick off college baseball season and, uh, you know, spoke to some of our coaches, too, about that today, you know, about how excited we are to get going. And, you know, still some position battles to kind of figure out. You know, we've got to figure out how things are going to run, and we're going to talk about some of that stuff uh, as we get a little bit closer. But uh, next time we get together for college baseball, man, Long Beach State will be here. Dirtbags will be here on our patch of grass getting ready to go. If you're looking for books, always go to dogpilethebook.com. You can get signed copies of Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains, and Blooms of Oleander, of course, available wherever great books are sold. You can get it through Amazon, booksandmillion.com, Barnes & Noble, or have your local bookstore order it for you. And also, too, Stark Villains gear, available at starkvillains.com. Be sure and check all that out. I'll be back with you guys on Wednesday. I'll do my best to be earlier. I apologize for being a little bit later, but I wanted to go to baseball camp and uh, catch up with my long-lost buddy I hadn't seen in about 30 years, whose kid's a prospect. And so it's always nice to be able to see friends from back home. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.